Welcome back to the Mountains in the Sea, where we find the highs and lows of each and every Prince album every other week. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And we're so glad that you're back with us today. Today, we're continuing our lead up to the super deluxe edition of Sign of the Times. Covering things that you won't find on that collection. That's right. And today we're talking about Sheila E.'s eponymous album. You mean Sheila E. Yes, I do mean Sheila E. That Sheila is exactly e by right. Sheila E. That's right. 1987. Correct. Released February 19th of that year. This was the last Sheila E. album to have any Prince involvement until her 2013 album Icon. Correct. Yes, five of these 10 tracks were co-written by Prince, but only Sheila was credited. Though yeah. she does thank him in the liner notes, T-H-A-N-X. Right, right. A little ahead of her time with the alternate <laughs> thanks spelling. Yeah, yeah, she was texting before it was cool to text. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, her first two albums featured very heavy Prince involvement. Mm-hmm. This one does too, like you said, but only half the songs of yeah. the 10 Uh, include musical and writing input by him. There was not much promotion for this album. Yep, it kind of got buried under what we mentioned earlier. Yeah, Sign Sign of the Times. Times, Yes, because when she should have been out touring and promoting this and making this be a big, huge thing, she was playing drums in Prince's touring band for Sign of the Times. Yep, So exactly. There was an LA Times article, and she is from that era. Uh-huh. And uh, Sheila E. is quoted as saying that she much preferred being a drummer and not a band leader at that time. Oh. So that would maybe factored into some of her choices yep. about where she was performing. Makes sense. Despite the fact that there wasn't that promotion, it reached 56 on the Billboard top pop album chart yeah, and 24 on the Billboard top black album chart. Yes, which is no longer a chart. No. Back then, yes. Yes, but it was then. And I mean, so it did decently. Yeah. Despite the fact that there wasn't really that much promotion for it. No, there wasn't like a hit from it either. You know, The Glamorous Life and A Love Bazaar from the first two albums were big hits on the radio. And Mm -hmm. this one didn't have a big hit associated with it. And like you said, she was behind a drum kit mostly overseas touring on the Sign of the Times tour. Right. I also thought it was interesting that unlike Jill Jones's album that we just wrapped up our last three episodes on, this one, Sheila E. and her other two, including The Glamorous Life and Romance 1600s, are on streaming services. You Mm -hmm. can listen to them on Apple Music and Spotify and other places. Right. It's kind of confounding to me that this album you can listen to on streaming services and Jill's you cannot. Right. This album evidently includes the first known recording of the group Tony, Tony, Tony. Raphael Sadiq, who was in that band, toured with Sheila E. and Mm -hmm. Prince on the parade tour. But I don't know which song. I saw that reference, but I I could not. I could not find which song they're supposedly performing on. Wow. Wow. So don't know. That's pretty cool. That and then Sheila E also made an appearance on Tony Tony Tony's final album like a decade later. Neat. Yeah. I learned something new already. And what are we? Six minutes into this? <laughs> yeah, something like it's pretty that. Pretty good. I thought um like overall this breaks away from the D 
dear Michelangelo type of romanticism of her first two albums mm-hmm. and is more, you know, uh, less dependent on the high drama and the movie poster approach of like Sheila E in The Glamorous Life and Sheila E in Romance 1600. Not only was that abandoned, but this doesn't even have a name. Like it could have been Sheila E, Love on a Blue Train or or Sheila E, In Love on a Blue Train. Yeah. That could have happened, but Very cool. didn't. Sheila E learned percussion from her dad by right. sitting across from him and mirroring him. And this gave her what's termed as a left-handed style, which allows her to play a little faster and a little harder than most drummers, which Probably. is part of the reason why she sounds so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the second time we've covered a Sheila E album, the first being um, when we talked about Around the World in a Day, and we covered In Romance 1600 at mm-hmm. that time. So now we have her her third, which means we've covered her second album, her third album, but not yet her first album. <laughs> we'll get there. But, you know, in our defense, we haven't even covered Prince's first album, so <laughs> why would we treat Sheila E any differently? <laughs> That's right. Uh, I did watch a interview of Sheila E on Larry King now shortly after Prince's passing. Oh. And um she also did a song honoring Prince. Jill Jones did one. Um so did Sheila E. It's a song called Girl Meets Boy. Yep. And uh we're not going to talk about that, but I will link to it on our social media. So if you'd like to find a little quick link to that, you can join us over on Facebook, The Mountains and the Sea, a Prince podcast. You can find us on Twitter at TMATS, T-M-A-T-S podcast, or you can send me an email at tmatspodcast at gmail.com and I'll shoot a link back to you. And more recently, Sheila also released another song, not so much as a tribute to Prince, but about her time with Prince called Lemon Cake, Uh which has been scrutinized by all kinds of ladies who've come out and said, no, it was my lemon cake, not yours. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of consternation about... Yes, cake consternation. Mm -hmm. But in that interview, Sheila also said that there are hundreds of songs that she recorded with Prince that remain unreleased, so... Maybe someday. Maybe someday. Here's hoping. Yep. All right. Shall we look at the album cover? Please. Okay. It's very nice. Lovely picture of Sheila looking gorgeous in her, with her, you know, olivey, lovely tan complexion in a white outfit that's extremely skimpy and she's, you know, about a hair's breadth wide. Yep. <laughs> but she looks beautiful. Did you notice how this, um, this is a photograph by Jeff Katz who also shot the cover of parade mm-hmm. and we have similar, which is the 1986 album soundtrack to under the cherry moon on the back cover is her from the waist down. Yeah. And you can make a full Sheila. That's right. You sure out of can. It if you hold the booklet up to the back cover. Yes. On Parade, something similar was done with Prince, who was shot from the belly button up. And on the inside, there is a way you can open the booklet and connect him at the torso. Uh, and it does something similar, although so in black and white. Yes. Full picture. Not a full. It's his head on both sides. Oh. Oh, you okay. don't get his legs oh, okay. or hips okay. or knees. Uh, also, the Sheila E. Logo uh-huh. 
was designed by Margot Chase, who we've mentioned before was just an incredible designer who did work for Prince and Madonna and Cher. She did the logos for the TV shows Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel and Charmed and then opened a design studio where her studios are in L.A., Seattle, New York, and the United Kingdom. Uh, They do a bunch of commercial work now, and she died tragically, which I think we mentioned Previous mm-hmm. on a previous podcast uh, in 2017, she was she had a pilot's license, was piloting a small plane, and had an accident while her husband tragically watched. He was there to see it oh, all happen. God, that's and awful. She died upon impact of a plane crash. Ugh, it was terrible. Poor thing. But she did a great job designing this logo. It's a little dated looking, but it's really cool. Yeah. With it's scripty Sheila, yeah. and part of the S runs into the E mm-hmm. at the end of her name. It's a little music notish too. Yeah. I thought too, which is yeah. pretty cool. And there's lyrics. So if you're unsure of what she's saying in some part, mostly you can tell. You can. It's all... Um, Unless it's an instrumental song that's not <laughs> completely instrumental. They don't then have lyrics for Soul Salsa? No, they don't. <sighs> but my favorite part was that <laughs> they had a... You could send off for a VHS tape of Sheila E., with special guest Prince and the Revolution in Live Romance 1600, which you could only get on VHS. Apparently you still can. We have a clippable coupon right here. I guess so. So we could theoretically mail off 30 bucks and get a VHS, but I'm pretty sure it'd get returned to us. But it doesn't have a date on it. I thought that was really funny. Oh, yeah. You mentioned like there's no like good through, through. like we plan on doing this through 1988 or whatever. There was, I don't think there was that kind of forward looking thing. It's like, let's get this album out. We've mm-hmm. got these VHS tapes. Put a coupon book in this <laughs> CD. We've got an extra page in the book. Put a coupon. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you could have cut out your coupon with a giant half inch thick dashed line on that back side. <laughs> Or you could probably just find it on YouTube right now for free. Exactly. Rather than waste, what does a stamp cost now? 50-something cents. Okay. I don't remember how many. And your time and cutting out a booklet. (laughs) Ruining the resale value of our Sheila E. 1987 album. It's the original thing, baby. That's right. That's right. The CD is nothing exciting. Oh, no. It's very simple. It was the standard... Warner Brothers layout for CDs before they started doing artsy things with mm-hmm. CDs and making yeah. them designerly. All of them look the same. Right. But that's fine. All right. I also wanted to mention the cursive type on the track list on the back, not on the inside, but on the back back cover is the same typeface used for Love Sexy and Very cool. uh, the track listings and whatnot inside the booklet. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Shall we talk about the music? One day we should. (laughs) How about one day right now? Okay. Okay. So one day I'm going to make you mine. Here we go. Four minutes and 49 seconds. Track one was co-written, one of the five co-written by Prince and Sheila E. Mm -hmm. And according to Prince Vault, Prince plays most instruments and produces the track. Yes. Uh, Was recorded in his Galpin Boulevard home studio which is where much of Sign of the Times was recorded. Mm-hmm. Recorded at the same sessions as Super Funky Califragisexy, which would end up on the Black Album, and Cuckoo from this same album. 
very cool. Yeah. And I think you can hear Prince singing with her. It sounds like him to me. I think you can hear him doing like some kind of Latin accent something or other. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Singing? You'll have to point to me where, but There's you a, can hear his it, voice in a few places. It's a I little bit out. buried, like at 59 seconds, but he can't resist my beat. And it's a little bit buried back there. Sounds mm. like there's... Sounded like Prince. But then there's more like 10 seconds later, there's yelling in the background. You can't tell what he's saying, despite the fact that I put my headphones in and turned it up much louder than is advisable for headphones. And I still couldn't understand what he was saying. I think it's not English. Not English, just Latin sounding gibberish. Encouragement. I have always, after I resigned myself years ago to the fact that I'll never be able to understand what he's saying, if he's saying anything, in my head, what he's saying in a, at a minute and eight seconds is, oh yeah, something to something, something. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> <laughs> so prove me wrong. <laughs> This is almost a sign of the times love sexy band recording because we've got Sheila E, Prince, Eric Leeds, Atlanta Bliss, Juan Escovedo, Sheila's brother, and Bonnie Boyer. Although Prince Vault claims that even though she's listed as keyboards and vocals, her involvement is likely limited to backing vocals. Okay. Before we even get to the entrance of Prince's voice on this thing, I thought that the spoken intro reminded me a little bit of All Day, All Night mm-hmm. from Jill's album, where there's this just kind of monologue, like the curtain has opened and Sheila is there with a microphone by herself saying, oh, there he is. He looks better every time I see him. Those eyes, those lips. I know he wants me. I know he does. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. There he is. Like your purple fox. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. Take me now, or witness the slow and horrible death of your purple fox. My time is running out. And I made myself a note that you need to go back dear listeners, and listen close to the bass playing underneath that spoken intro part from about five seconds to about 20 seconds. I assume that's Prince playing bass, and it's very underrated and easy to look over because you get this, I think the opening of the song does set the tone for how the album sounds. You know, it's a little... Latin flavored. Mm-hmm. It's a little rock flavored and it's got horns on it too and a little bit of funky guitar. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're going to get with this album. So um, I think it's a very honest 20 second opening. Okay. Yeah. Ain't, ain't nobody lying Fair in the first 20 seconds, right? Nope. Yeah. There's some bongo drums that uh-huh. are part of that Latin flavor. Really, really excellent. Very, very nice addition. Just going on in the background. There's a lot of like going on in the background stuff in this album. That yeah, there is. 
it's easy just, to overlook. Yeah, if you're just casually listening, you don't hear a lot of it. But when you put it in headphones and really like concentrate on what you're hearing, you're yeah. like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Why is it that when you're watching something and you don't see some obvious things, it's overlooking? But when you're listening to something and the same thing happens, it's not called overhearing. In fact, that's eavesdropping, which <laughs> means you were listening <laughs> super close to something that's none of your business. And I feel like this album is all my business, and yet I still felt like I overheard things or underheard them, I guess would be my term for it. <laughs> You're, they uh, underheard? I underheard. They okay. were there, but I've listened to it so many times that uh-huh. I kind of missed the details, the oh. finer points of... Some of these songs. Underheard. Underheard. That's uh, what I'm going to start put saying. Put the stamp on it That's for right. Josh. That's right. TM, circle R, underheard. That's right. I think there's some fun background vocals going on during uh, this little ba- breakdown at two minutes and seven seconds when she sings, you're going to kiss me mm-hmm. like you never kissed before. And she's singing behind herself. Yeah. There's the, all these real cool layered vocals. Yeah. So I thought it was... More and more interesting the closer you listen. Mm -hmm. And it's cluttered, but not in a distracting, unpleasant way, but in a, I'm opening a gift and it's like there's other layers of wrapping paper underneath that every time you open it, it's, there's something new to see. That's a good Very way to think fun. of it. And this isn't a song that's got some deep meaning, I don't think. No, I, mean, the, I don't The think title so. of the song says it all that, you know, but here during this part we're talking about now, it's not her saying that one day I'm going to make you mine. I'm in control. She's, she's like visualizing how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. You're going to kiss me and it's going to be like you never kissed before. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, yeah. It's not completely her action that's going to make it happen. It's, I'm going to make you fall in love with me, and then you're going to do this in uh-huh. return. So there's some self-actualization going on here, too. Yeah, maybe a little fantasizing. Yep. Yeah. The horns at the end are kind of like uh, another voice. Yeah. Which um, I thought was real interesting. Maybe we're talking about the same spot and we're jumping maybe a little ahead of some other things I wanted to point out. But at four minutes and six seconds, there's a saxophone line played Mm -hmm. over the chorus. So they're singing one day, one day. And there's this horn line that's going. And it's really, I don't know. It's very upbeat and fun. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to overlook again. Like, yeah. Oh, that's happening there too. Yeah. I will say like listening to this album and then go and listen to the original Sign of the Times, which sounds super thin and not enough bass and it's very quiet on CD. This album on CD sounds far better to me. Like it's got a better mix of low end and high end and Mm -hmm. you can pick out bass lines and treble stuff and Mm -hmm. rhythm guitar and saxophones, that kind of thing. I thought it was, it sounds good. Yeah. The other things I wanted to point out that happened before that fun horn line was I could not write it down at two minutes and 56, uh, two minutes and 52 seconds. Sorry. Ooh, I do declare. Ooh, I do declare. I think I'm going to go mad. I, want the I just, 
it sounds like you know something going on in the someone's backyard in Georgia. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Prince makes other distant Latin accents. Yeah. Around three minutes and 21 seconds. Yeah, I was like, he's yelling more stuff in the background. I'm like, is it Spanish? It doesn't quite sound like real Spanish. If Maybe I remember it right, it always starts with, oh, y'all. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. And it's sort of in his sped up Camille sounding voice, right. too. But yeah, I do believe it's him. I do believe. You do You do I, declare. I do declare. I think that might be Prince. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, though, I thought this was a nice album opener. It sets the tone for the album really well, and it's recognizable as Sheila E. immediately, but also mm-hmm. a step away from her previous two albums. It is different sounding. Yes. I also was thinking about, since we spent three episodes on Jill Jones and how her second album never occurred, never took shape and how this is Sheila's third album, mm-hmm. you know, in the same time span as Jill's was being assembled. And it's written very much from Sheila's standpoint. Sheila's in control. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this happen. And here's how it's going to happen. Here's how I envision it. And it made me wonder if Jill like heard these songs and how she felt about it because it does come off as more mature and that was one of the things that supposedly kind of put a stop to her second album with Prince is she felt like the songs that were being recorded weren't mature enough you know and here Sheila sees someone and sets her mind to capturing him wonder if it was a personality difference or something else I don't know it just made me go hmm Hmm. things that make you go hmm 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 can I also mention the first song ends, it does not fade out. Points for not fading out. Points for not fading out. Yeah. One day. And then we have Wednesday Like a River. Mm-hmm. Uh, no Prince involvement in this song. Which I found surprising. I had forgotten that. Yeah, me too. Listening it's... to it, um, I would not have guessed that. No. He wasn't involved. No, I wouldn't have either. I li- I really like the lyrics were so interesting in the song. Just mm-hmm. that it was, uh, you could take them more than one way. They were sort of metaphorical. Yeah. Was... I mean, it's a, it's a metaphor anyway, right? Right. Wednesday, well, like a river. Not a metaphor. No, simile? A simile. A simile. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you, though. It sounds like Prince musically and lyrically. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think this is a song he could have written. Right. A different kind of the day after song is what I described it as in my notes, thinking fondly on the previous night. And, you know, all the feels are flowing. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, all the good feels, all the bad feels, all the the feel feels. All the feels, yes. Yes. No limit to the feels. Well, and it's a... First sexual romantic partner. Mm-hmm. Tuesday, I surrendered beneath the willow tree. Tuesday, I surrendered beneath the willow tree. When so that kind of sounds like maybe there's a little pressure from her partner because she, oh, she surrendered. Oh, but then I find that's a really great point because I had thought of it around the willow tree, which which is sort of this giving in kind of looking tree, you know, Uh it doesn't look like like a tree full of strength, right? It's a tree that has succumbed somehow. Uh 
so I thought it was like a, oh, I'm, yeah, surrendering, giving uh-huh. in, but also like you've melted me. But that was going to be my next point was that she wasn't unwilling. Like right. maybe she surrendered. Maybe there was a little pressure, but she wasn't opposed to what was happening when I gave you the key to my virginity. Yeah. Yeah. She was willing. She right. wasn't you know, taking advantage of. Right. When I gave to you the key to my virginity. But that doesn't mean there wasn't any pressure from her partner. Yeah. But then you get the impression that whatever happened Tuesday night, uh, Wednesday, it was over because by Wednesday, she's a part of his history. Wednesday, I remembered your physical poetry. The passionate pretender. I'm a part of his story. That's right. A day later. Uh, Just the next day. So Wednesday, like a river, is her crying. Okay. Because, but also maybe she's a little bit excited about the memory of Mm -hmm. what had previously transpired. So it kind of works on two levels. It's like the moisture from excitement and reliving it and remembering it. And also the sadness that she's feeling that now she's a part of her history. She gave in and now it's done. This is not maybe the relationship that she had anticipated. Yes, you are right there. I also saw it like I, I think of it that way. And then I can see it the other way too. Wednesday, like a river. So she was hesitant Thursday, she was, you know, fully blossomed in love. It was more like a, a lake. Mm-hmm. Friday finds me in the ocean. Sometimes love is, love is hard to take. She's completely overwhelmed and infatuated again. Like her love was growing, oh. maybe. Oh. No, I saw it more as a Wednesday. She's crying a little bit. And hopeful still Thursday, it's becoming more evident that he's not interested in a relationship with her. And by Friday, it's she knows it's completely over, that she is a part of his history. She's mm-hmm. crying. It's an ocean, salty tears. All makes sense. Yeah. All but you sense, can, but, but that you can take it more than one way is super, fun. super fun and interesting. Yeah, and it doesn't sound like a particularly sad or mournful song. The rhythm guitar in it is very upbeat, and the beat itself is has some happiness to it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like regret, right? Um, there is this violin or strings that run under the chorus at for like from one forty two to a minute fifty that. Um, Underlay the whole thing with maybe a little feeling of suspense or something along those lines. If you go back and listen to it. I do think that the line about the double-edged sword probably sways it more to the way that you're thinking when she sings emotional evidence, sometimes hard to face. The double-edged sword can be like arsenic and fine lace. Yes. I 
I never quite understood the words to that part. It's sort of as it's tough to understand what she's saying mm-hmm. if you just listen to the song without referring to a lyric sheet, because I don't think you expect a word like arsenic to be in the middle here. It comes a little bit out of nowhere. No, but it's a very theatrical term. I think there was a play, Arsenic and Old Lace, mm-hmm. which was, yes, you know, right. the literally fatal substance and then paired with something beautiful. Right. Yeah. To be on opposite sides of the spectrum. Yes. I thought this also sounded a lot like a Wendy and Lisa song a little bit too, like Waterfalls or other songs off of Girl Brothers, that kind of thing. It had that feel to it to me also. So I guess that's how I, I don't know. I always listen to the song and I'm like, oh, what a cool Prince and Sheila E song. And oh no. No, no. It's it's just Sheila E. Just Sheila E. Though there are some cool guitars, which I assume are Levi C. Sir Jr. Yeah, I think so too. I assume that's also him at the very end. Singing? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And then I thought the um, seagull-sounding birds at the end where she finds herself at the ocean on Friday. Uh Maybe a, a little too on the nose, but... Oh, They reminded me of the Paisley Park remix that we listened to as part mm-hmm. of Around the World in a Day. There were seagull. It was just kind of like weird yeah. sound effects and stuff. But then here I thought, oh, well, that is kind of a conclusion to the song. She's found herself at the ocean. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're Sheila E. or Josh and Christy Norman. If you're there, the seagulls are going to come looking for food. <laughs> That's right. You're going to hear them. That's right. <laughs> and then we have Hold Me. Hold Me, another song with no Prince input. Yes, the first single in the U.S., but it was the second from the album. It preceded the album, and it was the B-side to Holly Rock in Japan, but under the title Touch Me. You are right. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, And I can see how it could have been called that, and they would have made no changes to the song and just decided, oh, it's better romantic-wise or... to fit into the Sheila E drama train to change it to, <laughs> to hold, hold me, me instead uh-huh. of touch me. Yes. Uh, but either works, I thought, for the name of the song. In fact, I went back and listened to it again thinking, what would I name this if someone told me, you got to give this song a name, but it can't be hold me and it can't be touch me. I was like, well, you could name it every time. Oh, okay. Because that's a big part of the chorus. Yep. But it doesn't matter. No. It has a... Serious 80s rock ballad sound to Those it. Those synths and the drum yeah. beat. Yeah. Even the... They're very 80s, but they're specifically 80s uh, easy listening. Yeah. It's a very yeah. specific sort of sound. Yeah. Even the digital hi-hat. There's this... That goes on in the background that gives it that same feeling to me. Mm-hmm. It is easily identifiable as a late 80s soft rock ballad. Right? Yes. Her vocal delivery is really like smooth. 
I would say her vocals on this entire album are quite good. Mm-hmm. But here, you know, on a slow track, yeah. she carries it really well. She does, but it's a little, you might not like this. I'm going to say it anyway. It's a little forgettable. I'm not opposed to oh, that. Okay. I'm okay. not saying I love the song. Okay. I'm just saying that as far as like vocal range and yeah. is she a singer or not, I'm sorry, but we've heard a lot of Prince female protégés on this podcast for the last nearly three years, and they have not held up well. This is far better. Yeah. Yes. It's very smooth, but forgettable and just super, super easy listening. Yeah. There's some guitar plucking going on in the background at about a minute and 53 seconds that I assume is Levi Caesar Jr. again. Hold me. Here I stand. That um, I would say is not forgettable. Okay. There's a guitar solo at three minutes and 10 seconds that almost is like you almost expect it. Yeah. And the way it's played is a little expected too. I, I don't know if that fits in with your definition of forgettable. It just fits in with, oh, we got to have a guitar solo here. Mm-hmm. here. Well, here we go. I said the musical breakdown is predictable and uninspired. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my literal notes. I will tell you, I was a little impressed by vocabulary as I was listening to the song. You okay. said the word reverie. Yes. Which I think a lot of people might confused with revelry but it's mm-hmm. not revelry it's reverie which is a state of being pleasantly lost in one thoughts a day a day a daydream mm-hmm. is what the definition is lost in your reverie. only um, makes me think of westworld now oh that's true yeah but yes When she sings, uh, our love must be stronger than before at three minutes and 54 seconds. And I thought she hit the note really well. But again, it reminds me of like a white snake or bon jovi kind of thing in a song at three minutes and 54 seconds well and the lyrics are a little confusing she's i've tried so many times to erase your memory from my mind but then their love is stronger than before if it's strong Uh then why has she tried to forget him and if they're so strong why isn't he by her side why is he lying to her hey man I hate you because I love you. I guess. But there's, I don't know. again, no Prince input, so it, it's even unfair to compare it to, right. to that to a degree. It made me think um, of our college professor who said, you know, whenever you're reading something, you should ask yourself, who is this bastard and why is he lying to me? <laughs> right. I'm like, she's telling us both sides. So, so uh, why is she lying to us could, about this? From her perspective, she could be saying, who is this lover? Yeah. And why is he trying to lie to me? Right. But... <laughs> She's telling us her love is strong, yep. but that also it's not. True. Yeah. Uh, and actually, you know, she sings it from the first person perspective, right? Which is actually kind of rare. I feel like Sheila E is most of a 
third person kind okay. of lyric person. If you think of Glamorous Life okay. um, is sung in third person. It's she and he, and which almost makes it like a romantic novel kind of thing. Right. So here, when she sings, our love must be stronger than before, I swear to you, I kept hearing Olive. Olive must be stronger than before. <laughs> and I kept thinking, this is not a... You know, about a pizza topping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm, olives. Yeah. So there's uh, the other thing I thought was notable was during the final chorus or the final singing of the chorus multiple, multiple times around four minutes and eight seconds. There's more guitar noodling that's going on behind the chorus. Mm-hmm. That's actually kind of nice if you listen to it. Yeah. My final notes on the song were that in some ways it sounds like a Genesis song with <laughs> Phil Collins. I know we mentioned Susudio uh-huh. last time. Um, so I'm set talking about Genesis with Phil Collins, not Genesis with Peter Gabriel. If you go back and check out Tonight, 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 or Throwing It All Away from the album Invisible Touch, Hold Me sounds like it could fit on that album oh, completely. Okay. It's got a very... I mean, Phil Collins has got to be so grateful that this is, was the style in 1986, <laughs> yeah, 87, he because he was just perfect for it. <laughs> um, and it didn't matter that he was balding and still had long hair and he just sounded good and could play the drums well, mm-hmm. you know. That's super fair. And I'm pretty sure I probably heard some Genesis back to back with this song because I remember hearing it on the radio, not until we got to the chorus when mm-hmm. I was re-listening to it. Did I remember, but they would play it on a radio station that we called uh KQ one Oh snooze. Cause it was all very easy listening sort of music. Yeah. And uh, they've changed their format since then. Yeah. It used to be seventies, eighties and today, today. Uh-huh. back when it was the nineties. Yeah. 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 Yeah, this definitely is like could have been the theme song for that radio station. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it, and it sounds like every other song they played on there. Yeah, like I, if you liked this, you would like the rest of their format. Oh yeah, because, your day is set up just as long as you can stand being interrupted by commercials. Uh huh. Exactly. Yeah, I thought at more than five minutes. Oh, the way song too is, long. It was too long. Way uh, too could have long. killed some of the choruses at the end and got it down to to three minutes or whatever radio edit they had on the radio. We could have just included that here too. So it just goes on a little long. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just doesn't go anywhere. But I got to give some credit to the sequ- sequencing of the album from okay. uh, "One Day I'm Gonna Make You Mine" to "Wednesday Like a River." To Hold Me, and then the way Hold Me ends and Faded Photographs begins, and it sounds like a continuation of this rock ballad, That's but it's really fair. not. It, yeah. uh, it kind of morphs into, there is a stop point, you know, where the tracks uh, connect, mm-hmm. but they sound like they were really meant to be back-to-back. Yes. They we, really do. Assuming we're done with. Uh, I'm done. <laughs> with, hold, with Hold Me and moving on to Faded Photographs. Yes, so, let's you know, again, move on to not, that. Not, uh, it's a third song in the row that has no Prince input. Mm-hmm. So 
but really it's a Paisley Park album, we promise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the first 10 seconds of this sounds like an extension to Hold Me. I think that the album is really smartly tracked. I can't argue with the flow so far, even if Hold Me, I felt like, was too long and kind of a predictable, you know, late 80s ballad. The way the songs fit together is really great. It works. And that yeah. doesn't mean that every song is great, but right. it sure makes for a cohesive Listen. listening experience. Yes. Yeah, faded photographs and it's real super 80s synthesizers and beats that really flowed well like you said and there's an echo on the voice. Mm-hmm. But it's real interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a nice recovery from Hold Me. <laughs> I mean, there, there's probably not much you could put after Hold Me that would not, uh, not, not be preferred. Not make me happy to be moving on. Um, but I also like that, you know, faded photographs. And it's, again, we're talking about a late 80s album. So I don't mm-hmm. think you're thinking high conceptual value here. No. but. This isn't really a song about literal photographs, but memories that fade of the time when two people were most in love, which yeah. again fits with kind of the hard to align lyrics in Hold Me. Sure. Where she's ready to move on, but her, her love is stronger than ever before. Right. And here she's got all these memories that are full of love, but they're well in history and not part of her current I don't know, method of thinking. Right. This song sounded like it could have been on the Top Gun soundtrack to me. It has a very Kenny Loggins feel to it. It really does. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what I... Those faded photographs are taking you right into the danger zone, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's the issue. You're right. It does. It does. But not in a bad way. And I really like how the the chorus and how it's performed, Mm -hmm. that they like echo your eyes before they sing your eyes are a thousand words to me. And that it plays off the idea that picture is worth a thousand words and then just narrowing it down to just the eyes that they're so expressive. notes christy i have (laughs) and um, the lyrics they're like overlapped and played with and it's so interesting yeah yeah i had the same thing i wanted to say was if a picture is worth a thousand words then how smart writing is it to say your eyes say a thousand words to me um and another way of saying this isn't a song about you know your kodak pictures at the time polaroid polaroid yeah your pull oh sorry yeah (laughs) exactly it's a Polaroid. You gotta shake it. That's right. Shake it like a Polaroid picture. <laughs> Even things like reflecting like a mirror, racing in my mind. These photographs remind me of what's not far behind. Your eyes told me the story. Words of you and I. And then she gets into this big rock and roll vocal delivery at a minute and forty three seconds, where she sings, "I can't forget you in the stillness of the night." Mm-hmm. It sounded very, um, you know, radio friendly, heavy metal. What's up? Very like light rock or like heavy, I don't know, like that weird combination. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, reflecting like a mirror racing in my mind, like she sees it, these memories, which she's kind of 
comparing to photographs. Every time she Mm -hmm. sees herself, every time she's alone that's racing through her mind, there's no escaping these things that are with her Mm -hmm. always. Yeah. I like how her moans and breathy sounds really convey the ache she feels over this newly ended relationship. that she's already starting to forget some of the things she wishes she would remember forever. Right. Yeah. I couldn't get out of my mind either. Like the picture of Marty McFly and his family uh, as he's yeah. trying to fix history and his hand and his arm are starting to disappear, disappear as the timeline shifts. Yep. A lot of the song brings that to my mind too. Um, there's a breakdown in a guitar solo at two minutes and 26 seconds that builds through about three minutes and 15 seconds or mm-hmm. so that I think is, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I thought it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the round yeah. that they do with fill my lonely room. Yep. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. The but shadows then, fill my lonely yeah. room, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, there's a little weirdness at the end. Sheila starts doing some math. Two plus two is four. Three plus three is six. Eight plus eight is 16. Ten minus five is five. She's like whispering this at the very end. Oh, yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? I don't know. I it's, felt like you know, Rachel like, from Friends. What? what? Huh? <laughs> what? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I saw that as like love, you know, starts small, builds exponentially, and then sometimes you reach this point where, oh, let's cut that in half. Oh, I'm about half as interested again. <laughs> Probably half again, and maybe I want to remember <laughs> the good times, and I, but I'm subtracting all this other stuff, and <laughs> things are fading. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I was confused. That makes, that helps. So I think that's what's like at about three minutes and 40 seconds where the song breaks down and Mm -hmm. slows down with fill my lonely room refrain. And then it grinds to a halt. And again, I thought it flowed really nicely to the drum line of Cuckoo, the Mm -hmm. very next song that's really like tracked very well. Yes, I agree. So now we're going to talk about Cuckoo, the third single. Co-written by Prince. Hey, we're back. Yeah. This has such an unusual beat. Yeah. Very Prince-like guitar strums Mm -hmm. happening. Super, super cool. They're very 80s synthesizers, but they're very in Prince style. Yeah, they're There's, almost made timeless by the fact that it's got his sound. Right. To it. It's like identifiable as the 80s, mm-hmm. but not dated that way. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't sound like interesting. disco no. or something that's out of style. Because I think 
what Prince brought to the table was a unique way of utilizing these somewhat simple instruments Mm -hmm. that made them sound somewhat timeless. Right. And because they've sounded timeless for a while, and now in the 2020s, there are a lot of bands that are going back to that kind of sound, and it's coming back in style again, like Mm -hmm. most things do. Yeah. The timelessness and the timeliness of the sound of it all is... Like a full, complete circle. It just yes. depends on where you are in the orbit of these things. Right. Um, when you walk into them, like we are right now with Cuckoo. Yes. Again, recording and recorded at Prince's home studio within the same sessions as One Day I'm Gonna Make You Mine and Super Funky Califragile Sexy from the Black Album. Very cool. Finally, we get to the song that's named after the call outs we've heard for a while uh-huh. in our coverage of Jill Jones. She sang Cuckoo and. Mia Boca. Uh-huh, which was the name of her dog, we learned last time. That's right. Yes. I thought the lyrics here were much less straightforward than the last two songs, mm-hmm. particularly Hold Me, and a, a lot more poetic. Yeah. I really loved Come See Cuckoo Man. Come See Cuckoo Man. Is that his name? Is it a descriptor? Yeah, yes. I think, yeah, yes. Yes. Right. Both. Yeah. Both. Like it's... Yeah, you're right. It's, I mean, a fairly simply written song. It mm-hmm. re- reminded me lyrically, it's got a little bit of sign of the times mm. in it as far as social issues, that kind of vibe of, you know, being poor, yes. being abused. See him spend his lonely dime. Yeah. See him spend his lonely dime. I thought that was a great way of talking about how poor this person was he had one dime it was a lonely dime yep it was just 10 cents that's right and he had no interest in keeping it right he spent it on something mm-hmm. even before we get to the lyrics the drum intro that you said was kind of this unique beat at 22 seconds we have that same magical whooshy sound from mm-hmm. madhouse 10 and jill jones's if i could get your attention from our last episode that's in here too, which I thought was kind of cool to hear, you know, the same sound effect creep into a few songs. Mm-hmm. So we talk, she covers the cuckoo man first, whose issue is being poor. Uh, well, and also uh, not doing anything to try and change that, yeah. doing the very worst he can. Right. It's not on his radar to save the dime, you know. It's not on his radar to try and do good with that dime. Right. He's doing the worst he can. Yeah, or... The worst choice he could make, that's what he's picking. Yes, instead of, oh, I've got a red paper clip. Let me see what I can trade it for Mm -hmm. and end up, you know, slowly moving up in value. Right. Chorus is pretty simple. Mm Mm-hmm. Coo-coo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Yes, but it's got these rising synthesizers in the right channel and this bass guitar in the left channel. Yep. And I was like, oh, it doesn't matter that it's simple. It's perfect. Yeah, it's very, very cool. Yeah. Then we move on to Cuckoo Girl. Yeah, too young to know better, too old to refuse. Like, wow, that's like, she's just in a no-win situation, isn't she? Yeah. She doesn't realize what she's doing is 
a really a poor, poor choice, but she's old enough. She should know better, but feels like she can't refuse. Yeah. And then ended up getting an abortion. Yep. And now regrets it. Yep. Which is definitely a social issue from the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and today. And today. Yeah. Then the third verse is war. It is. And it's kind of a spoken... Yeah, a little verse thing with just drums and guitar that starts at kind of Sheila E. rapping, but not in her stupid, super her stupid. I thought you said stupid. I was like, <laughs> no. well, that's not really fair. No, her <laughs> her super rapid fire way, which is interesting because it's literally about rapid fire. Yes, it is. It's so interesting that she would normally rap super speedily. When the lyrics are literally about rapid fire, she slows it down a little bit, which oh. I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. Come and dig the cuckoo war. Movement has a gut spider because our leaders have war. New toys with a laser teach children to kill. Who knows when they're over? Maybe they will. Nothing gained. Paradise lost. Cuckoo's the trick and death is the cost. It's your world. Yeah. I mean, you can hear her rapping on It's Gonna Be a Beautiful Night mm-hmm. that she's capable of. Doing it very quickly. So, so fast. Yeah. Um, I mean, and this is the kind of stuff, again, that I think we hear in music and in the news today about uh, wars that get started because leaders got bored yeah. or <laughs> it's not really about the issue that you think it is. Right. Then, you know, taking it down to a level for the youngest of our society and being taught that shooting one another with lasers is... Something that's okay to do, mm-hmm. and they grow up with that ingrained in their mind. With new toys, te- with a laser, <laughs> new toys with a laser teach children to kill. Who knows when they're older? Maybe they will. So we're ingraining this thought of you know, pointing something and pulling a trigger from uh-huh. age four up. Yeah, and that it's normal, acceptable. Yeah, yeah. and it's fun. Yeah, she name checks uh, Blue Train. Yes, yeah, she does, and also says love for one another. Oh, yeah. Didn't even notice that. Yep. So, peace and partying is better than hate and war. Yep. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, we get that whooshy sound effect at two minutes and 15 seconds when she says it's your award, your world for a little while. And then there's a running rhythm guitar on top of her drums from 216 to 232. That is a fine, fine guitar. Uh, that whooshy sound effect is back again at two minutes and 33 seconds, too. We got to love one another all the time because a kiss on the lips is better than a knife in the back. Mm-hmm. Better than a knife in the back. Yep. Then we have Pride and the Passion, another co-written by Prince. Yep. You get to see his love of old movies once again. He had big cash and a Brando smile. Of course, Marlon Brando, and we saw 
the same reference in Our Destiny by Jill Jones. To Marlon Brando. To Marlon Brando. So it's definitely, you can tell that Prince had some involvement because he loves those old movies. Yeah. Always had an affinity for them, enjoyed Mm -hmm. referencing them. And we get this all sung from a third person point of view too. Mm -hmm. He caught her eye. He was everything she was looking for. Looking for. Which, I don't know, it just seems to me, I know that's, you don't have many choices as far as a perspective to sing a song from, but this third person song about a little love encounter between uh-huh. two people seem very Sheely-like to me. Yes, I agree. I really like how they say that she got stuck, uh-huh. where they kind of, the delivery of it, that she's... It, they kind of, it's halted, stilted, like they're literally stuck trying to sing it. They have to push through to get oh. out of being stuck. I thought that was kind of cool. fun. But she got so stuck when he kissed her hand. I even questioned the title of this, Pride and The Passion. It's mm-hmm. not Pride and Passion or The Pride and The Passion. There's no definite article before the word pride, which makes it sound... More like the romantic drama from her first two albums mm-hmm. a little bit to me. You know, it's right. this story that's kind of elevated with language. Yeah. So in the first verse, she's trying to get his attention. She gets it maybe in a way that she's not expecting. Mm-hmm. She's maybe not so into it. Laugh all night, cry all day. Laugh. Then the second verse, everything's changed. In a flash, her whole life, her priorities are rearranged. She's considered how this might be good. And then in the third verse, she shows us that the second verse wasn't really a change. It was her doing the mental calculations to decide if she was going to go for it or if she was going to get herself unstuck. This is what you get when you play with pride and the passion. I guess so, is you get yeah. like some quick mental calculations about, am I going to go with the, am I going to go or am I going to stay? Right. <laughs> I also thought all three of the first verses, I could hear Prince singing it as Camille first, just because if you go back and listen to Rebirth of the Flesh, okay, which is an outtake that'll be on Sign of the Time Super Deluxe. It has the same kind of drum beat style and okay. guitars going on. And I would love to hear a version of this with Prince singing it too. That's very cool. Yeah. Yep. And then they tell us she decides she is going to go with him. She's going to take this chance. She let him take her to his crib. Right. She let him take her to his crib. Which I think I can hear Prince singing there Uh a little bit. And she chose passion and the promise it held rather than her pride. Yeah. But did she make the right choice? They're not going to tell us. Yeah. Well, if you're wrong, expect a massive drag. If you're right, more power to you. It's like, like oh, oh. yeah. Can, can we have the end of the story? <laughs> no. <laughs> Please? No. It reminded me of the end of Seinfeld. Everyone's just in jail. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where it ends. 
Spoiler <laughs> There's alert. There's no lesson here. Oh, please. For a show that hasn't been on in 25 yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that from three minutes and 15 seconds to three minutes and 18 seconds, there's a breakdown in the song. And then it's followed immediately by the most musically fun part of the song, starting at three minutes and 19 seconds. Sheila Yee gives us a whoo. And through three minutes and 35 seconds, it's drums and horns and synths and guitars. And it's just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. to the don't it's like it's a cliffhanger yeah yeah it's the pride and the passion it should have ellipses after it (laughs) dot 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 (laughs) you're going to be left wanting to know the end of the story who knows what happens then we have boys club co-written by prince and sheila e and prince plays most instruments and produces the track according to prince vault Mm mm-hmm this one was not recorded at Prince's Home. It was recorded in March of 1986 at Sunset Sound, two days before an outtake called Love and Sex, which we're going to cover in our next episode. Very cool. Yeah. It starts with a conversation. It does. Another spoken intro with cool piano and drums. Mm-hmm. She's talking to Susie, her boring friend who's going to stay home and watch reruns of The Honeymooners. Maybe responsible friend. Oh, maybe responsible friend. Did you know that The Honeymooners only had 39 episodes? Nope. Yep. I looked it up because I was curious that it had started as a sketch on another show. Then it ran for 39 episodes. Then uh, it made appearances as sketches on a variety show later. And they made like... Full-on musicals out of, like, ten episodes of The Honeymooners. wow. Which is wild. Didn't know that. Wild. My interest level is none, but that's a cool fact. I thought thought it was just a sitcom. Yeah, no. Black and white, right? Black and white. Yeah. In the 50s. Yep. Stopped being revived in 1978, I believe, if I remember correctly. That's a long time. Well, Sheila has no interest in staying at home and watching no. The Honeymooners. She's going to go to the Boys Club, mm-hmm. which is really poorly named if it's a place for women to show up. I guess maybe it's a place for women to show up to shop for boys. I th- well, here's what I think. All right. I think it's the place that boys go to meet women because they're kind of opportunistic. Well, yeah, they, they are. really don't... They really can't dance, and they ain't too bright. But the <laughs> yeah. girls don't mind if the money's right. Right. They really can't dance, and they ain't too bright. But the girls don't mind if the money's right. Yeah. So they're out uh, on the prowl. They're on the prowl, and that's how they get in to this club. It's a boys club. It's their catering to them. They let the girls in probably for free as long as they're cute and don't mind that the boys are neither smart nor cute, but they're really maybe not quite so opportunistic. Some are cute, some are not, but that doesn't really matter because the music's hot. But 
So they really are just there for the music and the dudes are something to do between the songs. Okay. That let's move on to the next song. <laughs> I think Christy's got it completely <laughs> covered with the exception that, uh, some of these girls sometimes find themselves with twice as many legs. as they should I loved have. that. I loved it so much. It's so dirty and funny. A girl with four legs. That's the best. You better look twice. There's someone under her dress. Uh, I thought it was great. Their drums behind her rapping at like a minute and 21 uh-huh. is they're perfect. Yep. They're perfect. Agree. Love her, uh, put down in the conversation that she gets to have with one of these boys where she says, yeah, you're kind of cute, but it's all about the perfume confusion in your bathroom. Like you're not wearing the right kind of <laughs> cologne. Yeah, you're kind of cute. And then she has some banter with a boy from the boys club where he, the boy, asks her for a match, and she says, yeah, your face in my shoes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he says, uh, you just ruined my night. And she says, yeah, just think you could be at home watching the honeymoon. We get a <laughs> yeah, great payoff. A callback. A yeah. great payoff there. And then she says, want to dance? Oh, yeah, he just asked me for a match, and I said, yeah, your face in my shoes. He said, you just ruined my night. And I said, yeah, just think you could be at home watching the so I guess he must have had some money. Yeah, he probably he bought her a right. drink. Yeah, because yeah. he didn't smell right. And um, yeah, his face is attract is as attractive as the bottom of her shoes. Right. Yeah. Then there's uh, some really very Prince like guitars, mm-hmm. like three minutes and twenty five seconds. Super cool. Yes. got to be him right i'm sure i'm yeah. sure it is it sounds like him or it's someone doing an excellent impression of him i think which, it's him yeah. yeah close to that point from two minutes and 32 seconds to two minutes and 34 seconds there's a little drum breakdown and then a nice 10 seconds of jamming and sheila's percussion which is I think i'm what you're talking about there with the guitar part but mm-hmm. that breakdown with the percussion made me think, oh, this sounds a lot like Chelsea Rogers from Planet Earth. There's a lot of musical similarities from Boys Club and Chelsea Rogers, particularly that little breakdown in uh, Chelsea Rogers. It's four minutes and 54 seconds to four minutes and 57 seconds where you can hear it. But also just the drum beat, the little high-pitched rhythm guitar that's going on through the whole thing. They have a lot of similarities, even Mm. though they're 30 years almost exactly apart. Very cool. And then we get Prince and Sheila telling a dude to get out from under the dress. Hey, boy, get out of here. (laughs) Yes. Other other two little things that I wanted to mention on this song. 
when she says light light skinned boys think they're so bad they drink Avion, listen to jazz. There's a funny little piano part at three minutes and eleven seconds that kind of mimics jazz records. Or maybe mocks them. Maybe not mimics <laughs> is the right thing to say. Um, when she sings. Uh, at home, they like symphonies. When they're at the club, they like me. There's this subtle scratching or barking kind of effect going on in the right channel at about three minutes and 19 seconds that you don't really hear in any of the songs from this era that I thought was pretty fun. Me. At home, they like symphonies. When they're at the club, they like me. Very cool. All right, we're going to take a real quick break and we'll be back with Soul Salsa. Have you ever wondered what Tina Fey has in common with Jonathan Swift? Or how Star Wars is connected to feudal Japan? Or just how pervasive Shakespeare's influence still is? I'm Rhonda. And I'm Erin. And our show Pop DNA explores the literary and historical roots of your favorite pop culture works. Like the Greek mythology and early 20th century feminism echoed in the film Wonder Woman. Or the classic dystopian fiction and real-life political revolutions that informed the Hunger Games. Every month, we bring you a deep-dive discussion of a selected pop culture work. Featuring jokes no one will think are funny, and literary references no one asked for. Find us at thepopdna.blog. Or anywhere you get your podcasts. By the way, Shakespeare is bigger than Disney. Thank you for sticking with us through that quick break. Now we're going to talk about soul salsa. Ooh, I forgot to bring the chips. <laughs> uh, Prince did not have a hand in writing this song, but he did perform it once in concert in Milan, Italy on June 9th, 1987. It's likely a reference to her heritage, soul, her mm-hmm. Louisiana Creole mother. And Salsa, her Mexican-American father. Yep. Makes sense. Yes. I didn't realize that not only did Prince not have anything to do with this, but it was recorded after most on the work, most of the work on the album was finished. Yes. It's largely instrumental with vocal, lyrical punctuations. Yeah, that's a fair description. <laughs> I remember you asking, wish I knew what they were saying. Like, I think they're saying, Mama Zamposa. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, There's a great organ and guitar part at about 43 seconds to mm-hmm. 54 seconds. That's a lot of fun. From 1 minute 27 seconds to 1 minute 43 seconds. Mm-hmm. A fun and vampy guitar and horn part. With very, very Latin keys. Uh-huh. Super, super cool. Yep. And then some vocalizing by Sheila E. At about a minute and 53 seconds where she's got a Latin tongue roll and a high-pitched scream mm-hmm. um, that kind of marks the highlight to the song, really. Um, and you covered it up front. Like, I thought this had a little bit of a Now's the Time sound to it, which mm-hmm. is a instrumental interlude that they play during the Sign of the Times tour and on the um, concert film that we covered when we started this uh, series. And it made me think, why wouldn't they work this in during a sign of the times tour as an intermission interlude instead of a cover song and like you said well they they did once Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we'll cover the live version 
in the next episode. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And like one minute, there's some drums in the background that are just so fast. It's just really cool. Nice. I enjoyed the song. I thought, uh, again, I found the tracking, the sequencing on the album to be excellent. The way one song flows into another. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a tough thing to get right. And yes. like, here we are through song, what is it, eight. Mm-hmm. And I'm loving the way that I don't love every song, but I definitely love listening to them in this order. Right. Yes. Then we have another song with no Prince involvement. No, say it's not so. Honey Man. Honey Man. Yeah. Honey. Yeah. Comma. Man. <laughs> I thought the beginning, I always forget about the song, and it starts off sounding very paranormal. Yeah, kind of loud and unusual. A whole like Carol Ann is screaming from the closet, <laughs> of, you know, holding onto a rope that's covered in meaty flesh. Ooh. That's what I think of when it starts off with Honey Man. <laughs> honey Man. It creeps me out a little bit. A little bit. It reminds me of Poltergeist Poltergeist flavor. Yeah, it does. Mm -hmm. Two seconds in, there's a symbol that has a bit of a train sound to it that ties it nicely in with the final song. And then the drums and the rhythm guitar, guitar and horns kick in at 36 seconds and snare drum at 42 seconds. And it sounds a lot like a song that Prince could have or would have written or played on for the project. I've got to be the victim. I don't know. I thought it sounded like a Prince track to me. They did all these songs that have no Prince input. They do a great job of making them fit with the songs that Prince did have input That's with. That's super fair. Yeah. And... This is probably the one that doesn't have Prince input. One of the ones that is the lyrics are more interesting. Hmm. We have Wednesday, I'm a river with nice, interesting lyrics. True. And then some um, kind of lackluster lyrics from some of the other songs. Yeah. And then uh, again, we've got some interesting lyrics. I've got to be the victim of your weekend vows only to discover loneliness aroused. Right. I've got to be the victim of your weekend vows only to discover loneliness aroused. Interesting. Yes, it's like she only sees him on in rare instances, mm-hmm. but he makes promises to her that I don't know, stick with her. Yeah. When she's alone. But she's the only thing that the promises really give her is uh, an enhanced sense of longing. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. not, the they're empty, not real empty promises. promises. Yeah. yeah. When she sings Dig Up, that's something that Prince called out a lot in the 80s mm-hmm. that I think that um, she either learned from him or he learned from her. Uh-huh. So there's some Prince connections there. Yeah. At a minute and 13 seconds, there's a horn jab that is straight from Housequake. Oh, cool. 
I thought was interesting. I had never really noticed that before, how similar the horns are from Housequake and cool. Honey Man. And then we get this little spoken part that's kind yeah. of playful. He's going to be missing the small details, like the way he moves his glove one finger at a time. Right. That's interesting. Is that a real glove? I don't know that that's a real glove. Hmm. I think that might be a euphemism or something. (laughs) Interesting. Mm -hmm. And then it, you know, it ends with this really cool instrumental breakdown and then it fades. And I was disappointed. It it does fade. That was kind of like my favorite part really was all during that part though. It's got a little bit of an erotic city vibe Mm, to it, mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting, especially with no Prince involvement. And yes, if you know me, I'm not wild about songs fading out. However, it abruptly fades out and it crossfades to Love on a Blue Train. It doesn't Mm -hmm. fade into nothing. So it's still a little bit of a connection between the two songs. Um, But yeah, when she says, oh, play your horn, and there's this sax solo... And the sax solo goes about three seconds before it is faded into nothingness. Uh-huh. I could have done with yeah. less of Hold Me and more with Hun E Man. That's how I want to squeeze the balloon on this album. Okay. And then we have the final track on the album, Love on a Blue Train. It was the first single. It was only released in Japan in 1986. It was part of a Japan-only EP that included the full length of Love on a Blue Train and remixes and extended versions of The Glamorous Life, Sister Fate, and The Bell of St. Mark. Evidently, there was a video made that didn't get released. For Love on a Blue Train? Mm Mm-hmm. And it was on Vimeo, like, in 2011, but it's gone now. Vanished into oblivion. Vanished. I will say, I gave a preview listen to the long version of Love on a Blue Train, and it's longer by almost two minutes, but it is very different. Oh, okay. It's not the same song. Oh, okay. Um... We'll cover that next that next episode. Excellent. Yeah, as Looking a teaser, but it's not like this song with a part in it that was edited out. It okay. Not that at it's all. It's a yeah. wholly different. Yeah. Okay. That's great. So it kicks off with cymbals that are very train-like. Mm-hmm. You know, and great horns and rhythm guitar up to where Sheila starts singing at about 21 seconds. Mm-hmm. Did you hear that little guitar bit? Yeah. Yeah, that little guitar bit was like uh, on a bunch of the Jill Jones songs. There was that little that we talked about a bunch of times. I'll have to go back and listen. I think it was the same one because I was listening to it and I'm like, hey. No, well, I'm glad I've taught you something. (laughs) But I didn't hear it. Okay. So I'll have to listen to it again. Again, again, again. Again, again, again. Yeah. Uh, Unpredictably, the song kicks off with All Aboard. (laughs) (laughs) 
hear Prince's vocals on this too, I think. Really? You thought I so? Didn't, no, oh, I didn't. Oh, I thought you could really hear it like at 24 seconds. I did not think like so. right after but... she starts her lyrics, I thought, mm. oh, I can hear that. I can hear Prince there. I could not. I heard a male voice, but I did not think it was Prince. Oh, you don't? Okay. No. Okay. Well, I'll put a little clip. All right. There Listeners are other, can decide for themselves. There's Levi Caesar Jr., there's Raphael Wiggins Jr., and others who have some vocals, but um, credited anyway. Mm-hmm. But I don't know for sure. It just okay. none of it struck me. It's It sounds very much like a Prince-directed kind of song, but I did not hear his voice. Okay. It takes a real shift in the musical style, like at 55 seconds. Changes a bit. I thought it kept it really fresh and fun. Yeah, it's a fun song. It reminded me of, uh, not just because they're both modes of transportation, but Get on the Boat Uh from 3121. It's got a little bit of that sound to it. It's got a little bit of going to be a beautiful night mm-hmm. in it too yeah uh kind of a fun party love song i really liked the uh, uh lyrics uh go to cities unknown mm-hmm. Traveling is really just an illusion of being happy as long as they're together, right? Wherever and, that is, and, and kind also of, kind of being a sexual metaphor. Yes, they're yeah. alone together. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Especially a train. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought there's there's sexual imagery through every verse. You know, like the first verse right. on my way to nowhere, looking for nothing, baby. I was blue. Saw you sitting lonely, thought I was the only, baby, you were too. Funny when our eyes met, the walls around me turned wet. (laughs) This is fun. Uh Alone in number 14, a trip with you is foreseen, baby, I will come. was a nice refrain of verse one the very verse i just cited for you Uh at two minutes and 13 seconds yeah a lot of fun yeah she was blue aimless Mm -hmm. there was still sadness in the love on the blue train that she had with him but it was uh more of a fun sadness yes it's kind of interesting fadness (laughs) fun and sadness mixed together Uh there's some great saxophone at three minutes and 17 seconds when they're singing the locomotive rock me nothing's gonna stop me and i did not ever realize that they were saying blue train because that's enough syllables to fit in lavana blue train which is what i thought they were singing but they're not no that's something I learned. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. And then uh, they call out Jerome and Maserati. Jerome, the head, the head, the head, 
they do. Jerome upside your head. Maserati upside your head. I saw somebody on Prince.org suggest that uh, it was possibly planned that those people were going to tour with Sheila E to promote oh. this album before the Sign of the Times tour really had come together. Okay. And Sheila decided to do that instead, that the idea was that Maserati was going to... Oh, Okay be touring with Sheila E to promote this album. And then when that didn't happen, this mm. makes less sense. So that would be Jerome Benton, who was yes. heavily involved in Under the Cherry Moon, of course. Right. I also looked up again. Let me see who the band members were in Maserati. Maserati's album was out in 1986 on Paisley Park Records. One of the a really great project also bass player in maserati was named jerome romeo cox oh okay so it could just be a complete call out to maserati and okay. nothing to do with jerome oh. bitten either okay. don't know okay maybe we can tweet at sheila and see if she'll answer us yeah. hey sheila which jerome do you mean <laughs> that's coming upside my head uh-huh then she does the uh fun self-reference the E train. Yes. Yeah. Which is good. And it has a proper end. It does. On the it's one. a proper end. On the one. Doo, doo. That's me and my imitation of the end of this album. Excellent. All right, well, and we're at the end of this album. We are. So that means it's time to make some selections. You're right. So we choose three things. We choose a time capsule, something that encapsulates the time at which the material was recorded or when it was released, which is all relatively close in this case. Yep. We choose a C, an S-E-A, the low point, the thing that we like the least. It may not be bad. It could be bad, but it may not be bad. It's just the thing that we personally did not like the least. And then the mountain. we did like it the least. We did not like it the most. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Should I say that again? No, thank God I'm here. Keep going. (laughs) All right. And then we have the mountain, the thing that we actually did like the most. Correct. Yeah. Not the C. That we like the most. No. The actual mountain that we did like the most, not the sea, which is the thing that we like the least. Yeah, but again, you said it wrong there. You'll go back and listen to yourself and you'll say, <laughs> I know I think Josh is stupid, but maybe he was right here. <laughs> All right. So time capsule. Right. Sea, low point. Yep. Mountain high point. You got it. Keep there going. There we go. Okay. And these are my rules, which evidently I can't say properly. I'm just here to listen. <laughs> so I always make my selections first. <laughs> so the time capsule for me, because of the sense, the beats, the echo on the voice, the fact that it sounded like it could have been on the soundtrack for Wall Street or the airplane movie with Tom Cruise. Top Gun. Top Gun. Or Top Gun was faded photographs. All right. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree. For me, the time, this just might be because when I got this CD when it came out in 1987, I kept, actually, it was a cassette. Sorry. I bought this album twice. You're welcome, Sheila. Yeah. It was Cuckoo. I listened mm. to Cuckoo over and over and over again. So when I think of Cuckoo, I think of the very beginning of 1987. 
cold winters in Indiana where I lived. Uh, so a very personal experience for me to just have cuckoo on repeat. Very cool. Cuckoo on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> but it also sounds very much like a kind of experimental beat yes. from 1986-87. Agreed. That kind of thing. All right. The C, the low point. Right. Uh, I think we're probably in agreement about this one. Hold me. It was just too easy listening. It sounded like all the other songs on the radio at that time. Super forgettable. Not a bad song. Just not an exciting song. Not anything fresh or different or memorable. Hold me beer because (laughs) I'm right there with you. Uh, It is... If it had been two minutes shorter, fine. The way it is, yes, it just sounded too much like uh, could have been a time capsule because yeah. it certainly does sound like so many other things that we heard during that time. But yeah, I think uh, at five minutes and whatever, how long it is, it's, yeah. it's too long. It's the only song on this album that I want to skip, Yeah, honestly. Uh, I find the rest of it very, very listenable to this day, a lot of fun. I'll give it some credit for uh, the way that it's tracked okay. uh, with faded photographs. Right. The way that it uh, kind of almost melts into that song is cool. But yeah, I mean, I hate to bash the only real ballad on the whole album, but um, I'm going to do it anyway. I just did. <laughs> All right. And then the mountain, the thing that we like the most. This was tough. It was tough to make a choice. No, that's um, good. I really loved Wednesday Like a River. Mm-hmm. But the variety and the fun lyrics and the all-around repeat, re-listen ability of Love on a Blue Train made it the top for me. Well, we agree on a sea and a mountain. What? Even though I almost went back and changed it because the more I listen to Honey Man, the more I like it. Okay. See, the more I listen to Honey Man, the less I like that. Oh, no. No, that's wrong. <laughs> Uh, and the more I listened to Pride and the Passion, mm. the more I liked it too. And when I went back and re-listened to Rebirth of the Flesh and Pride and the Passion back to back and mm. listened to the similarities, um, made me like it even more. Very cool. But I couldn't, none of it was enough to push Love on a Blue, blue Train off the top of the mountain for That's me. That's super fair. Loved it. Yeah, it was great. All right, so tell us. We You've teased it a little bit, what we're talking about next time. I tell did. us specifically. I did. I don't know. If you're a savvy listener, you probably thought we were going to cover Sheila E. in one episode. But we decided between the album and some of the outtakes and remixes and B-sides and a video or two, we were going to split it into two episodes. We just covered the album. Next time, we're going to cover... Many things, including a remix by David Z of Cuckoo. And we've got uh, the B-sides, Paradise Gardens, and Too Sexy, and The World is High, an unreleased song called Love and Sex, which is not the same song Love and Sex that's on the Purple Rain Deluxe Edition from whenever that was, 2017. Okay. We've got what you mentioned as the full version. Well, that's what it's named. Love on a Blue Train full version. Mm-hmm. And then we've got the video for Cuckoo and uh, that one-off performance of Soul Salsa during the Sign of the Times tour in Italy. Super cool. Yeah. Super cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. 
please rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts because it really does help us get found and we like to be found. We love to share the purple listening with more people. And if you can't give us a five-star review, do let us know why we'd love to hear from you. We always love to hear from you. I try to write back to everybody who writes in. So yeah, do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, do that. Until next time, happy purple listening. Thanks for listening. You alright? Potato chip dryness. I'm sorry. I have potato chip dryness. <laughs> <laughs> so we get for having lunch before we record. <laughs> <laughs>